Episode number 20, and I'm not bragging. I promise you I'm not bragging. You are. We've got to name it, and you and I are going to come to blows it on It is. This. It's going to be fisticuffs. And- I'm going to probably give in because yeah. this is a Seattle-originating podcast. Yeah. I'm going to probably give in, but there's going to be – I'm going to give you some some flack. You are. Yes. I'm not going to let you have it very easy. We're going to have to consider because we're not just considering Pacific Northwest athletes I understand. Here, okay. So episode number 20, and I'm not bragging, mm-hmm. but we'll name it here shortly. Uh, guests on episode number 20, we've got him. Thanks to you, we've got him. He's the head coach of the now 9-0 and within the Pac-12 Washington Huskies. Hop. Hop. Mike Hopkins making his Mitch Unfiltered podcast debut. And he is going to give Matisse Theibel a new nickname. He is. He doesn't even realize he's going to do it, but he's going to give Matisse Theibel a new nickname mm. at 9-0. and And if they should happen to go to Arizona with you and run the Arizona schools out of their own gyms in Tucson and Tempe, one week from now we'll be Ooh. talking because we'll be looking at that schedule that's remaining. They'll be 11 No, We'll be looking at that schedule going, Okay, who's beating them? Because there's not, not many. They're going to be resounding favorites in just about every game the rest of the way. So mm-hmm. let's see how they do against Arizona. Dave Amon mm-hmm. from Bracketville, yeah. he's the best. He's the best bracketologist, and he's been with us on all the Monday editions telling us where the Huskies are, where's Gonzaga, who's at the top of the bracket, how far can Washington still climb if they keep winning. Dave Amon from Bracketville. ESPN NBA writer Kevin Pelton on episode number 20 NBA trading deadline just a couple of days away Anthony Davis might or might not be traded will he play again for New Orleans weird situation Chris Stapps Porzingis got traded all kinds of mid-year stories James Harden all kinds of NBA stories we'll go over them all with uh, with Kevin Pelton who happens to be a Seattle guy through and through and he was actually at the UCLA Washington game over the weekend he's a University of Washington Dog just like I you. I saw are. him. You did. You I know did. Kevin. I do. Okay. Uh, and we'll obviously talk about Super Bowl 53 at Zeke's. We'll t- everybody thinks that the Patriots were the big winner, winners in Super Bowl. There was a, actually a bigger winner in Super Bowl 53 than the Patriots. Uh-huh. You, and you know who that is. I do. You're related to him. I am. Uh, the biggest winner of Super Bowl 53. Uh, it's all on episode number 20 of Mitch Unfiltered, and it's all brought to you by my great sponsors, Daniel's Bellevue. Valentine's Day is just about upon us. It's a Thursday this year, so if you can't find the right table at the right restaurant on Valentine's Day itself, you and your loved one could always celebrate on Friday or Saturday at one of the four locations, Les Shy, South Lake Union, Bellevue, and the brand-new location at the Downtown Hyatt Regency on 8th and Howell. Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue celebrating the newly remodeled Defender, which is on its way back. Tell the folks at Land Rover of Bellevue that you're a Mitch Unfiltered listener, and you go right to the top of the VIP order list. Zeke's Pizza with 16 unbelievable locations. We were at one of them for Super Bowl 53, the Capitol Hill location. We had a great time. We'll talk a little bit about that. And I'm super pleased to have that fourth sponsor now of Mitch Unfiltered, the premier wealth management firm in the Northwest, Evergreen Golf Call, managing over $2 billion in assets with roots here in Bellevue and offices all along the West Coast, Portland, San Francisco, and the Napa Valley. Here comes episode number 20. Unfiltered. 
it's okay to have a game plan going in. But when you're so stubborn and unwilling to get away from it because the other team is essentially daring you to do so, then we get into stupidity. Unfiltered. Guess that's what really kind of infuriates me, that we go to the offseason after a game that the quarterback was really not given a chance to win the football game for you. That's a quarterback who's the face of the organization. That's a quarterback who, as I say, in a couple of years or in a year, they're going to give, I don't know, $25, $30 million a year to. And yet, it just feels to me like they took the ball out of his hands. Mitch is unfiltered. Along with Jason D. Hamilton, it's Mitch Unfiltered. Don't forget, subscribe on any of the platforms. And if you're listening on iTunes, we need your rating. That's right. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Listen, subscribe, and rate us. Give us a five stars, right? And if you're not a patron, maybe you were exposed to the latest patron episode. I made it available for everybody, right? We did a little chat after Washington beat UCLA, and I thought maybe it might be fun if we didn't lock this up just for the patrons. We allowed everybody who's not a patron, patrons and non-patrons alike, Mm -hmm. to go over to patreon.com slash MitchyTheKid and actually listen to what it is that you might be missing. Maybe it'll convince you that you'd like to become a patron. You can become a patron by going over to Patreon or just go to Mitch Unfiltered. That was a... MitchUnfiltered.com. That was a fun was 38 awesome. minutes. It was a, It was supposed to be 15 minutes maybe at yeah. max. Yeah. That turned into 38 minutes. Yeah, it was supposed to be about Washington UCLA, and Sergio Garcia ended up in there, yeah. and and Sam, Tim, Sam Timmons' dad That's right. ended up in there. What yeah. else ended up in there? Uh, Zeke's Pizza. Zeke's and, Pizza. And the, the lack of my wife knowing that we were actually- Oh, that was a great story. Going to Zeke's Pizza. And she confirmed that story when I was at the party yes. for Super Bowl 53. So if you, if you wonder, okay, what is it that the patrons are getting that you're not getting mm-hmm. by spending the $5 a month or whatever it is that they spend, go over- to the Patreon site, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Mitchie the Kid, and you'll see that one has been unlocked for everybody, and that's the 38-minute chat that you and I had. We're giddy after Washington. Why am I so giddy after Washington wins? We giggle a lot after Washington we wins. We do, but because it's fun. It's fun to win. That's <laughs> why we're we're excited about talking about a streak that has continued now. Yeah. That's what that's what it's all about. Ooh. It's getting to be It's nice. What's the best record? Do you know? What's the best record of all in Pac twelve? Yeah, has any no one's ever gone undefeated, have they? Well, I mean you since see, the since, since the Pac twelve? Yeah, since the Pac twelve. No. 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 Uh the Pac ten I'm sure there was somebody, but the last I remember was 04 yeah. Stanford yeah. was 17 and 0 yeah. coming into our building. Oh, I remember that. So they went 17 and 1. Yes. Because I think I was at that game. That was the they last. They were number one in the country. That's right. I was at that game. That's the last time I recall yeah. anyone being that close was 2004 Stanford. Now, I yeah. know the UCLA Dynasty teams, but it was the Pac 8 and yeah. all that stuff. You know, of course, they didn't lose a game for 9 million years. But in recent history, I believe it's 04 Stanford. Yeah, I haven't been to a game this year uh, to check out the intensity. The reason is I, I, I have a friend who's big in the 
broadcasting business yeah, you know, you and know hasn't somebody. and hasn't invited me yet. I'm yeah. st- I'm still wait- holding my breath, sitting yeah. by my phone waiting Are for you? a hey, how about coming out to the game? Hey, I got a couple tickets. I'll leave you a couple of tickets yeah, you should, for you and your family. You should call him. <laughs> I don't have to call him. <laughs> I don't have to call him. He's right here. He doesn't pick up my phone calls right. when I call. Right. Yeah. So Do you really want to start that? No, I don't. Um this is episode number 20. Before we even get going, and, and Mike Hopkins is, will be our first guest, yeah. Dave Amon will be our second guest, Brackettville, and then Kevin Pelton, ESPN NBA writer, will be our third guest. Before we even start going, with this being episode 20 and us you know, taking a look at some of the greats that wore the number 20, mm-hmm. you said a long time ago, hey, when we get to 20, you called me off. You said, I, I got deal. it. You, I mean, I was coming over from yeah. left field. It, nope. was in the, it was in the alley. Waving you off. And you center said, field, I, I take anything in the gap. It's mine. Right. You waved me off. Yeah. And I don't know. I, are we just assuming that it's, it's done, it's finished, and you're getting your way? Or should we, should we examine well, this a little bit, we, a little we, bit further? We should examine it, but let me just also throw this out here because I think you may or may not know this. Oh. That my wife is from Stillwater, Oklahoma. Okay. So she would have something to say in comparison of the two, the only two that I think she, it could be. She's going to back me up is what she's going to Oh, is that? Do. I didn't know that you were, this is where you were going. Well, I'll, I'll share with you some of them. I mean, we're not going to do Rob Niedermeyer of the NHL. We're probably not going to do Ed Reed, who went into Ooh, the, who's going Ed into the Reed. Hall of Fame as he of this past weekend. Mm-hmm. The NFL great safety. Yep. We're probably not going to do Luke Robitaille. No who wore 20 in the NHL. Tony Stewart was a NASCAR Smoke. star. Smoke. Is that his nickname? Yes. He, I guess he didn't wear 20. I guess 20 was the car Correct. number. Um, a great, great baseball player by the name of Frank Robinson. Yes. Uh, wore number 20. And then we get to Lou Brock, who was a great steel, base stealer, yeah. who wore number 20. Uh, and then there's the three. I think it comes down to three. I think we've got to decide between three. Okay. And I know where you're going to go, and I'm going to have trouble fighting you. But three incredible stars, one of which I don't even think. Let's just put it this way. The one that you want it to be mm-hmm. is not even on the USA Today's, the list that I just gave you. Yeah. He's not even mentioned. He's not mentioned with Luke. Luke Robitaille's on. Ed Reed's on. Um, Frank Robinson's on. Tony Stewart's on. The one you want it to be is not even on the list. Who's a Hall of Famer who so, might be a top 50 guy. Yes. He's not even on the list. That's ridiculous. Now, the guys that are on the list that I haven't mentioned to you are the two. Mm-hmm. Number 20, third baseman of the Philadelphia Phillies, Michael Jack Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Widely considered probably the greatest third baseman of all time. At least the best hitting third baseman of all time. He wore 20 for the Philadelphia Phillies. And then... There's Stillwater, Oklahoma. There's Stillwater, Oklahoma. And I don't know how anybody looks beyond that number 20 who played 10 seasons in the NFL and then just decided like Forrest Gump on the run. I'm done. I, I, I'm finished here. A stunning I've retirement. Done, I've done what I needed to do, and yeah. I, I want to go, go live the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. 15,000 yards in 10 years. <laughs> and just when you thought you had him tackled. Oh, you came up with air. His highlight reel is, it's unbelievable. When yes. you just see some yes. of the moves that he would make. Right. Yeah. So that's Barry. That's Barry Sanders. That's Barry. And then there's the local great. And He's if it, not just a local I know. great. I know. 
Don't you're making it sound yeah, like he's, he's great. He's one of the top point guards of all time. Yeah. Uh, we're sitting here in the Northwest, and we all love. I love Gary Payton. Yeah. You love Gary Payton. Mm-hmm. But how do we make this episode Gary Payton when Barry is lurking? I mean, really, really, and truly. I'm willing to go with you. No. If, if you say, nope. if you say, you know what, this is bear. This is the North. Mitch, you made your home on KJR all those years. Yeah. You were on the Sonics telecasts. Yep. You you spent your world covering the Sonics for a lot of years. We just owe it to Gary Payton to make this episode twenty episode Gary Payton. I'm willing to do it. You are. I don't see. I, I think if you're sitting, let's say in Dallas, Texas. Or, or I don't know, um, Oahu. You're sitting on the island of Oahu. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not picking Gary Payton over. Nobody's picking Gary Payton over Barry Sanders. As great as Gary Payton okay. was, nobody's picking Gary well, Payton over Barry Sanders. Well, let me tell you something. Yeah. This is not Jason unfiltered. <laughs> it could be. This is, this, is, this is Mitch unfiltered. Yeah. And what does Mitch want number 22 to well, be? Because that's really where we're going to go with this. People were a little pissy that we didn't even include in the honorable mentions of 19, Jay Buhner. I don't know if you got those tweets. I didn't. I got tweets. Where's Jay Buhner? Why, why haven't you mentioned Jay Buhner? I don't know time, why I'm doing that voice so, again. Yeah, I don't that, know. Yeah, whenever that, I yeah. imitate people, oh, oh. whenever I imitate tweet, <laughs> guys that do tweets, that tweets that I get, for some reason I break into the, why are you, I, don't, I don't know why I really do that. Uh, but they wanted a little Jay Buhner at 19. So if we're arguing between... Barry Sanders and Gary Payton right. at 20. Right. As much as anyone loves Jay Buhner, he does not belong or did not belong in the 19 conversation. No. 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 Anyway, Mr. 20, what's your 20? <sighs> Gary Payton. You lie. Well, you you don't want it to be you don't you're just doing it you're pandering do, yeah I am you're pandering I'm doing it for the I'm doing it for the listeners of Mitch Unfiltered I, I if we did a vote of of Mitch Unfiltered listeners it would mm-hmm. be ninety eight percent but that's not that's not that's not being unfiltered you're not being unfiltered well you got to tell me what this is all about we just kind of done we've done this the last few episodes and we really never ever defined it there's no like statute there's no that's law true. that's true so I don't I don't know what I'm but being if, asked what but, am I being asked but if you were to say Who's the greatest number twenty in any sport? Well, of the ones that I know about, maybe I'm not. I'm right. not. I'm not considering some right. that I don't even know. But if you were to of ch- that list that I just read yes. to you, oh, it's not. It's not. It's it's a no brainer. Then that's what it is. Okay, then it's episode Barry Sanders. There you go. Can it be episode Gary Sanders? <laughs> no, How about Barry Payton? <laughs> Let's just make it Barry Payton. Episode Barry Payton. <laughs> Hashtag Barry. Do you Payton. like Gary Sanders or Barry Payton? I like Barry Payton. I think Barry Payton, too. Okay, it's episode Barry Payton. You said it's Mitch Unfiltered? Yeah. It's episode Barry Payton. Hashtag Barry Payton. Yeah. We're going to yeah. use that hashtag. How'd you enjoy Zeke's on Capitol Hill? You said Amazing. You, you said you were... You, 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 you gave us a hard time. You played hard to get. Yeah. And well, then you came... Uh, I yeah. didn't play that hard. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't play that hard. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. Those guys are great. Dan was great. Sean, the, yeah. uh, the, the owner of that particular location, yeah. just fantastic. And all the people that came by to say hello and shake our hands and say nice things about the podcast, even in the snow of the Pacific Northwest and that scared some people away, I'm sure. Um, Just everybody's so kind and so nice and so warm. And it made me feel really good about doing what we're doing. 
It seemed to put it seems to have put a lot of smiles on faces, and I'm just very appreciative of all of my sponsors, including Zeke's. Mm-hmm. Zeke's was a great host, but in particular, all the people that came out. Yeah. Now, I need to mention that, and I don't. I hope I'm not going to put off anybody. I really don't want to talk much about the Super Bowl for a couple reasons. Number one, I didn't watch much of it. Yeah, I mean, we. I were found myself entertaining and sure. hosting and and kibitzing and doing. Mm-hmm. And I'd look up, and the only thing I know is that every time I looked up, Julian Edelman was catching a pass down the middle mm-hmm. of the field. When I heard driving home that he only had ten receptions, he was the MVP. I was like, God, I I felt like I saw thirteen or fourteen or fifteen receptions. Sure. And, and then the second reason is. How much do Mitch Unfiltered listeners really need to hear? How much more do you want to hear about Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, what is it, sixth in the last 19 years? How much more? How much more? Do people want to hear what I have to say about it? Uh, If you want to hear, I'll give give you Mitch Unfiltered in, in 10 seconds about the Super Bowl. Do it. The result of the game in terms of who won, zero surprise. I told you from the beginning. You did. I thought the Patriots would win. I thought the Patriots would win. From watching at Zeke's, there was never a time, and maybe this I had brainwashed myself, there was never a time at 3 nothing, 3-3, for the longest time it was 3-3, forever and ever and ever. Never was I walking around Zeke's thinking, oh my God, the Rams are going to win. I, I just felt like at the end, t- Tom Brady and the Patriots and Bill Belichick will win this game. Now, I was surprised, like everybody, at the score and how it worked. Mm-hmm. The fact that Tom Brady didn't just take that Rams defense apart was shocking to me. I wasn't as shocked that Jared Goff and the Rams offense, which was high-flying, had trouble with a Bill Belichick coach team right. that had two you, weeks to you prepare. You said that as well. I, I felt like that they, they would have a game plan to slow the Rams mm-hmm. down. I don't know if I thought three. I don't know that I thought three points, but I thought that they would slow them down. They'd have a game plan, and they, maybe they would score late to mm-hmm. pile up some points. So that's what... I, I'll throw the floor to you. That's what I think. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm tired of the Patriots. I don't care about the Patriots. The Super Bowl's over. It was a great NFL season. I just look forward to the Seattle Seahawks and the NFL starting up again and training camps yeah. in late July and early yeah. August and exhibition season. Um, I've kind of OD'd on the Super Bowl, so I don't have much more to say. So that. I'm, I'm really glad. Actually, I'll, I'll take a little bit of a different take. Yeah, I'm really glad that we were at Zeke's and that. We were there having fun with people because the game was terrible. Do you think everybody thought the game was I don't know if everybody thought. I, th- I felt the game was terrible. I thought the game was absolute hot garbage. So yeah. I was glad that we were having conversations. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. The worst kind <laughs> of stank garbage. Hot garbage. So I was glad that we were having conversations with people and you know contests and things because – the football, the actual competition, in my opinion, was not very entertaining at all, at all. So, you know, I didn't want the Patriots to win. I'm not a Tom Brady fan. You know, you convinced me on the last episode that they were going to win, and I – You picked I, the Rams. I agreed You picked with, the Rams. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I agreed with all of your points, right. but picked the Rams. Right. And um, it was the exact opposite of the game that we thought. We thought you took the way over. I yeah. took – the under, if I recall, or maybe just bare, slightly yeah, yeah, over, yeah, and and that was the farthest from what it actually was. So you know, it's over now. I mean, yeah. and you can Done. people can get a, a million different takes. Parades, of the Super Bowl. Gonna, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. great, but yeah. that's I, I could not talk you, about it. And be fine. I think all of us felt, at least here in the Northwest, you and I definitely that we didn't want either team to win, right? 
and the best thing that we could root for is kind of a good game, and we didn't even get that. Correct. So we didn't get a team that we wanted to win because neither team would have satisfied that. And we didn't even get a good game because it was 3-3 and it was awful. 100%. And I don't know about the halftime shows and the commercials and whatever. Adam Levine took his shirt off. I came this close to saying, oh, I should take my shirt off here at Zeke's. And, and I didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, I regret it. Yeah. But I thought maybe Dude. I should just take my shirt yeah. off. That would have been a bad game. I didn't want all my tattoos. Game. He had oh. all of his tattoos shown. Oh. I didn't want all my ink oh, yeah. shown. Oh, right. And then I was going to bust into the Travis Were the, you the Travis, Travis Scott? Scott? Yeah, yeah the, the big, big boy. boy. Yeah. yeah, I was going to do that. But then I just thought, I've done that. Do you want to tell... That. I'm, I'm going to move do on. Do you want to tell the listeners what I said if you decided to break yes. into that would you want to tell them what i said you said that your kids would leave yeah immediately. yeah immediately and then after you said that to me i said to my daughter hey uh, mitch is gonna mitch is gonna just go some flows of travis scott she yeah. put her hand hands oh. in her face and slid down the banquette like Please, please tell me that's not uh, true. Well, as yeah. it turns out, it wasn't true. But it was yeah. it was really tempting. Um, <laughs> we should point out that we did the Super Bowl of uh, the Super Bowl pool of little squares. The squares. Uh, and um, typically, I don't think I would give a report on mm-hmm. the results of the Super Bowl of little squares, but I feel obliged to because of the big winner. Correct. Yes, there was one winner, and he and he and now, he just. Yeah. Now you gotta. You also have to tell people it was actually not a gambling pool. No, because I decided to change. It. You changed it, yeah. so there was no no true gambling at all. Well, what happened was, um, I was gonna buy the first round of drinks for everybody that was there, mm-hmm. and so I tweeted Dan Black earlier in the day, "Hey, who's got the first round, me or you?" And I expected Dan Black, uh, one of the partners of Zeke's. To say you got it, right? That's all on you. I was going to pick up, and then he said, "No, no, I got it." Mm-hmm. And then I got there. He said, "I got it." And he said, "Around on me," and everybody right. went crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I thought when he said to me earlier in the day, he's going to pick up the first round. I said to myself, "You know what? Then you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick up the tab on all of the squares. I'm going to buy all the squares, right. and then I'm going to give them out. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put my name in any of them. I'm going to give them out. No, is it going to be instead of one dollars per square? We're going to make it two dollars per square. We'll raise two hundred dollars. It'll be all be my money, and, and whoever's there, yeah, you get squares, right? And you get, and if there's less than a hundred, some people got a, a few people got multiple squares and what have you. Mm-hmm. And so, little did I know that the Hamiltons were just going to hog the whole damn thing. I mean, how inappropriate it's is so it? so bad. I mean, it's, you guys it's, just... It's embarrassing. Let's actually. just put it this way. $200 were paid out. 160 of them went Not, quarter by quarter by quarter by quarter. 160 of them went to the name Jackson Hamilton. Yeah. And Jackson Hamilton would be the freshman, the O'Day freshman son Yeah. Of Jason and Michelle Hamilton. Yeah. And uh, what could I tell you? Which, just in case anybody wants to throw any NCA violations my way, I ended up <laughs> I ended up spending the money to give to my own son just to make it, you know, legit on the up and wow, up. You're worried about his amateur sta- status? Yeah. Status? Status. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I ended up... Uh, What's Fork, he going to do with all of his money? Over, thanks, Mitch. I ended up forking over 160 <laughs> well, bucks to my son well, because I, he's like, Dad, I won. And I'm like, well, yeah. you can't really have that money, but I'll give yeah. you the money. 
Yeah, the guy was quiet and in his own booth yeah. and in his phone and not even paying attention not to even the game. Couldn't the care whole, less. And I could hardly get him to shake my hand and look up. And then, bam, he becomes a winner. He's all smiles like he's like yeah. the, the the pipe. He's walking around. Hey, yeah, hey, 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 that's right. Hey, I'm right. That's here. right. I'm right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sprinted from outside to inside when he knew yes. he had a chance to yes. win. Yes. Yeah. So congratulations to Jackson, to Jackson Hamilton, winner. Yeah. The big winner, the $160 winner of the $200 of our uh, Super Bowl pool of little squares. Uh, before we get to Mike Hopkins, Brackettville, and the NBA stories heading towards the trade deadline, I do want to bring up and wrap up something that we talked about in our last episode, episode 19. No, it wasn't episode Jay Buhner. It was episode Tony Gwynn, yes, as you it recall, was. I do. on this on this beautiful episode of Barry Payton. Um, we talked a lot about Steve Hutchinson. We did, we and did. you and I, I think, agreed on Steve Hutchinson. Certainly, certainly. We we, uh, we talked about how Steve Hutchinson said, and he didn't get in, as it turns out, over the weekend, which is stunning to me. Now that they've gone twice around the block. And a guy who I think is probably the best left guard ever to play is still waiting to get in. He'll get in, but the fact that he wasn't a first or second ballot Hall of Famer is almost shocking. We were talking about how, even though in football they don't go in as a representative of a team, mm. that he'd like to go in all of a sudden as a Seattle Seahawk. And he made some comments to the Seattle Times like, I never wanted to leave. Right. I had no choice in the matter and all that. And you and I both kind of hammered him in the last segment or in the last episode, episode 19, we were like, hold on. You did want to leave because you left. You signed the clause, and the way it all worked out, right. you went, you, you went, and now Mr. Poison we're, not, we're not really into the whole, I want to go into the, to the uh, Hall of Fame as a, as a Seattle Seahawks. Now, a lot of people reacted to that mm -hmm. segment and reacted negatively to that segment, mm -hmm. saying, oh, it was Tim Ruskell's fault, and... Let's just look the other way. And he 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 took us. He was a helpful piece to take us to the Which Super is Bowl. All true. All of tr I mm -hmm. mean, amazingly true. We haven't mentioned Tim Ruskell. Um, and then and then there were those that tweeted and went a little bit further. And I want to mention a tweet because I've been waiting for a tweet like this since we started Mitch Unfiltered, and it needs to be addressed. I feel like it needs okay. to be addressed. If you don't. You just tell me to cut it, and we'll stop. All right. All right. I'm anxious to Here, hear Here's this. the tweet. Okay. comes from Lawrence Parrott, Larry Parrott, and it says, I was listening to Mitch Unfiltered, Tony Gwynn edition today, mm -hmm. and was struck by the negative tone of the Hutchinson discussion. Since this is a year of forgiveness and fresh starts, maybe you could do the same for him. Hmm. That was the tweet. Hmm. Interesting. And I I had a very, would you call it, visceral reaction to that on a number of different levels. There's a few layers to this, and I want to start with the obvious layer, which is, Mitch, essentially, after all of us welcoming you back after you fell down, yeah. can't you see it in your heart to forgive Steve Hutchinson? Who are you to hold Steve Hutchinson to the poison pill and yada, mm -hmm, yada, mm -hmm, yada? Mm -hmm. Okay. The reason I want to talk about this is because it's something that I contemplated a long time before I agreed to do the podcast. And this is a very serious issue. Mm -hmm. And it really needs to be thought about and talked about. I, I, it's the big gorilla in the room. Yeah. The big elephant in the room. Yeah. And I want to discuss. I want to get it out. Okay. When I decided to do Mitch Unfiltered, 
I knew that a day was going to come that I was going to be critical like I used to be on KJR or I was going to poke fun at others, be critical of others, and I was going to be critical or poke fun of the wrong person and somebody was going to have this reaction to throw back at me, hey, you can't be after right. what you did and you asked for our forgiveness. Right. And I just want to say, if that's the case, tell me now. Tell me now and I'm out. Because... Mm. If you take if you take the ability, no matter what's happened in my past, if you take the ability to have fun at others' expenses, to poke fun at people, mm-hmm. to be critical of business decisions, like in this case, that's what I am. I'm business, business, decision. business decisions. And you take that away from a talk show host, whether he's a political talk show host, whether he's just a, a human interest talk show host, if he's a sports, you take that ability away from them and you've made them null and void. You've mm-hmm. neutered them. Yeah. You've taken the microphone away. Right. And if 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 you and I'm talking to you yeah, now, yeah, Jason, yeah. if you feel that way, and if listeners feel that way, that Mitch, because of what you did and because of your comeback, you have no you you have no standing to take little sh- your your mm. old little shots and have fun at other people's expenses. If you feel that way, then I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. That's that's the first thing. That's not a threat. That's just the way I feel about right, it. Okay. Right. Right. Now. As it, as it pertains to human frailties, I have changed. And I do look at people who have serious, who make serious life-altering mistakes and have addictions and have problems and have personal problems. I do have a different sure. perspective based on what I go through. Mm-hmm. So I will have a much more, I, I would say, lenient outlook yeah. on those types Empathetic of things. Empathetic viewpoint. Yes, yes, based on what I've been through. Yeah. But if you're going to get on me, for not accepting an apology for a Steve Hutchinson business decision, or you're going to get on me for taking little shots, good-natured shots at Phil Mickelson mm-hmm. because of what I've been through, please tell me now mm. because I can't do this. Right. I can't do this if I'm going to be held to that standard. Right. And that's fair. I mean, listen, personal decisions or personal tragedy or personal things that happen to people that we might have discussions about where they make mistakes or they they fall in some capacity right is a very different viewpoint i think in a conversation than you know trades uh demands things that happen to go around the sports world that are what people want to hear from you. Yes, any- a critical eye, a uh, critical right. analysis. How about thumbs up and and and, sm- and smiles from Those Phil Mickelson? Those things have nothing to do at all with, um, you know, giving someone a second chance. Those are just personal character traits that you meet. It's like me saying, I don't like Tom Brady. Right. If I can't say, I don't like Tom Brady. See, the point is you can. I well, can't. I can't. Well, if I can't say it, I right. don't want to do this either. Okay. Like right. that seems ridiculous. Right. So regardless of what I can or you can, yeah. if we can't right. say that right. for any reason, because we're giving our opinion about people in the sports world or whatever, in, in the world in general, which is very different than having empathy for somebody who has fallen or going through a tough time, then I would agree with you. Let's okay. not do this anymore. Okay. So- We continue for now. 
Absolutely. How, how do we how do we arrive at a conclusion? Well, I, mean, I think the vast majority of the people that are listening right now are saying, Mitch, we want you to be the way you were on KJR in terms of your critiquing and your analysis and you're making fun of people in a good natured way and so forth and taking little shots that you yeah. do. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's what people want. Yeah. And I, that's the only way I know how to do that. That's the other thing. I don't know how to do this any way than the way I did it for 25 yeah. years. Yeah, and I can't, I can't see the leap between, and and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming at Larry. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just making this. I can't see the leap between us talking about a guy who said I never wanted to leave. Yeah, and leaving, and you saying you can't have an opinion about that. That is a stretch. Well, no, he's saying that I should, uh, I should be for, for, more forgiving. Yeah, but I'm, but, but uh, it, it yeah, doesn't, it doesn't, make it doesn't sense. make sense. No, and as it as it as it pertains to Steve Hutchinson, first of all, and as we segue off of what my what my um, sensitivities, I have a sensitivity to this, and I knew this was coming. It just yeah. was a matter. I didn't know it was going to be Steve Hutchinson. I didn't know who it was going to be. I thought it was a matter of time before somebody questioned me being critical. And taking shots. Yeah. Saying, who are you to... Yeah. To, yeah. I, I knew that yeah. was coming, and I, this has to be discussed. But to segue to Steve Hutchinson, okay? Look, Steve Hutchinson... Let me make my my feelings very clear about him. He's got nothing for which to apologize. Absolutely nothing. 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 He did nothing wrong. I would say that the clause... He, they bent the NFL rules. They tested the NFL. It ended up in arbitration, and it ended up being changed. The rules ended right. up. Being, so was it a little seedy that he went to the extent, he and his agent went to the extent to put that clause in the contract? Yeah, it was a little slimy. But from the for the most part, he's got nothing for which to apologize. I have never said that he has anything to apologize or to be ashamed of. Sure. He, he, he did what he thought was best for him professionally. He did what he thought was best for his family financially. Mm -hmm. He made a decision. It hurt us. It hurt me at the time as a fan. Mm -hmm. I was sorry to see him go. He went to Minnesota. He was a pro bowler. He was a first-team all-pro in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. he, he has nothing to apologize for. That's A. Yeah. B, the Tim Ruskell element. Okay? The reason we didn't mention the Tim Ruskell element is because it's the most obvious, it's more obvious than the nose on my face. That's pretty obvious, okay? <laughs> Tim Ruskell is the single biggest reason that Steve, Steve... Tim Ruskell is the biggest idiot in the NFL for what he did mm -hmm. or what he didn't do. To, to, to slap the, the transition tag on him after he told Mike Holmgren, we're going to put the franchise tag and after you have to put the franchise right. tag. After he did that, and exposed him really to the open market. Yeah. One of the all-time idiot moves, and there's no questioning that Ruskell's the biggest reason, okay, mm -hmm. yep. that, that he left. All that being said, all that being said doesn't change my opinion. My opinion is the notion that Steve Hutchinson now says he never wanted to leave Seattle. Yes. I don't believe. Yes. Maybe... He feels bad about it. Maybe he wishes he never left. Maybe he wishes he did things different. All that is in play. 100%. At the time, you cannot convince me based on the facts that on I know. what happened. Yes, and things that some people don't know. Mm -hmm. You cannot convince me that he never wanted to leave Seattle 
and this was something that was out of his control. Okay, right. that is just categorically untrue on a lot of different levels. He did not have to insist on the clause being in the contract, or he did not have to agree to the clause being in the contract. Correct. He was he had all the leverage. The world wanted him. He did not have to agree to that. You, okay, yep. that's number one. Okay, go. number two. I happen to know because Mike Holmgren told me. I think both on and off the air that when the transition tag was 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 placed upon him that he told Holmgren and Holmgren told him hey don't do anything I love you I want you here don't just don't do anything for certain until you talk to me first and Hutchinson said to Holmgren fine mm. okay now if he really wanted to stay and he had no choice in leaving would he have contacted Mike Holmgren before signing that offer sheet in Minneapolis? He would have, and he didn't. So just to be clear, to summarize, Ruskell, completely at fault, I agree. Yes. Okay? Steve Hutchinson, nothing to apologize for. He did what he had to do. He did what he thought was in his best interest, in his family's best interest, all the power to him, and he was a great, great football player whom I would have put in the – Hall of, Hall fame of Fame on the first, first ballot, ballot. Mm-hmm. okay? Having said that, that doesn't mean that I, as a Seahawks fan, have to accept that, oh, I would want him to be a Seahawk in the NFL Hall of Fame. Which because doesn't I, exist, because, but yes. Yeah, because I believe that he truly didn't want to leave and he had he had a gun to his head and there was he had no other choice than to leave. Yeah. I don't buy that, and so I don't view him as a Seahawk Hall of Famer. Yeah. That's all there is to it. That's the way I feel about well, it. Well, and I, I, like I said, I agree with you, and to go back to his notion of I didn't want to leave, I wanted to be a Seahawk, do you know who I put in that category of people who didn't want to leave and wanted to be with the team they wanted to be with? Felix Hernandez. Felix Hernandez wanted to be the prime example. He wanted Turned to down be here. free agency twice. I wanted to be here. I'm going to sign this. Con- That's I, a guy who really wanted to be here. I want to be here. Right. That's somebody. And I'm not trying to compare Steve Hutchinson with Felix Hernandez. But yeah. when you talk about, oh, I didn't really want to do it. Yeah. I wanted to be here. Well, Felix Hernandez turned down multiple more millions of dollars. What he turned down was to even get that those numbers to get the offers. He turned down free he never was a free agent. That's right. He turned he he was within a year or two of free agency twice and he said I don't even want to see the line of right. t- teams that want I don't want to see the Yankees faces. I don't want to see all these teams where I could go win a World Series. I'm happy here. Yeah. I want to do it here. Yes. But I I'll give you not to diminish what you just said, but I'll give you another one, okay? All these people who are saying, "Oh, it was Tim Ruskell's fault." So because it was Tim Ruskell's fault, let's consider Steve Hutchinson a Seahawk when he goes into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't really Hutchinson. If, if Tim Ruskell would have done what he was supposed to do, Hutchinson would have been here. So we should just forget about poison pills and forget about clauses and forget about all pro years in Minnesota and just consider because it was Tim Ruskell's fault. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask those same people a question. If Alex Rodriguez somehow got in the Hall of Fame and he said, you know, when I think about my career, <laughs> I think most fondly about the years that I had in Seattle. Oh, yeah. Okay? It's funny. Those same people who say, those same people who say, let's welcome Steve Hutchinson back as one of ours because Ruskell blew it, not Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Do those same people say, 
Let's welcome back Alex Rodriguez as one of ours because the Mariners offered him like three years, $80 million, and the Rangers offered him 10 years, $252 million. Mm-hmm. And it was the Mariners' reason. that The Mariners didn't make an effort to bring Alex right. Rodriguez back. Should we just do the same thing for Alex Rodriguez? Or are we going to throw money at him when he comes back and he bats against the Seattle right. Mariners as as a Traitor. member of the Texas Rangers, yeah, oh yeah. right? Yeah. Are we going to accept him if he wants to go in as a Mariner or not? Oh, no. People Why? Are gonna say, people are going to say absolutely not. Why? He left us. So did Ru- so Absolutely. That's why you and I are in alignment about this. Wh- wh- he, he left us because he was offered three years, $80 million, right. and 10 years, $252 million. He Made left us decision. because the Mariners' ownership, that's because Howard Lincoln and Chuck Armstrong decided to lowball him. That's that's that's, that's, that's one the of the big, that's one of the biggest reasons. Now I don't know that they would have ever gotten a ten two fifty two. No, no, no. But no, no, no. but th- that was a huge reason why he left. So why don't we look at him the same way as we look at Hutchinson? It's a good question. Okay, we don't. We the don't. answer is we don't. So the opinion of this Seahawks fan, and I respect everybody else. It's a good debate, healthy debate, and it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because you don't go into the NFL Hall of Fame as a member of a team. Right, right. Um, and he's not going in this year again, which is amazing to me. He'll go in probably the third time. I guess they're waiting th- three years. Congratulations, by the way, to Kevin Mawai, who's mm-hmm. going in, a former Seahawk, mm-hmm. uh, under Dennis Erickson. Um, I'm sorry. The The – the way he maneuvered his way out of town, including the poison pill clause in the contract, spoke to me then and it speaks to me now that Seattle wasn't that important to him. It wasn't that, which is okay. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. It's okay. You have nothing to you have That's nothing right. to say. I'm sorry for it. it's okay. It wasn't important to you at the time. If it was important to you at the time, you would have signed the deal without the poison pill. And don't tell me that Minnesota wouldn't have signed him because I believe Minnesota would have signed him to any contract and then taken their shots. Right. And then the Seahawks would have matched. Or if you weren't going to do that before you signed it with the poison pill, call Mike Holmgren like you told him you were going to and say, Hey, here's what I'm about to do. What can you do for Absolutely. me? Okay. If you really wanted to be here, all right. Um, Zeke's Pizza Hotline, Mike Hopkins, the Pied Piper. We'll talk a little bit about the Washington Huskies in our last segment with you and me. Um, we've got Bracketville. How far are they going up? They are going up, up, and away, I would assume. And then a lot of interesting – I don't know how many of our, our listeners, because the Seattle market doesn't have a Sonics team anymore, but some really juicy NBA storylines, trades, trading deadlines – James Harden, lots of stuff happening. Kevin Pelton, an NBA ESPN writer, is going to be our guest, too, on episode number 20, which is episode... Barry Payton. Barry Payton (laughs) of Mitch Unfiltered. Hey, a special Valentine's opportunity from Daniel's Broiler. Daniel's just opened their new location, as you know, the brand-new Hyatt Regency in downtown Seattle at 8th and Howell. This Daniel's has the largest seating capacity of all the Daniel's, And the downtown Daniels Hyatt is also open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. So normally getting into Daniels on Valentine's Day, not very easy. But this new Hyatt Daniels creates the opportunity for you to make a reservation now. And for the more adventurous, how about this? Dinner at Daniels, USDA Prime, and then an overnight at the beautiful new Hyatt Regency. The choice is yours, but the opportunity to dine at Daniels on Valentine's Day has now never been greater. 
Make your reservations today. Locally owned by the Schwartz family and located at South Lake Union, Leshy Marina, Bellevue Place, and now the new downtown Hyatt Regency at 8th and Howell. If you are a supporter of those who support Mitch Unfiltered, then this is the place for you and your loved ones. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses on Valentine's Day. Unfiltered. All right, Jay Ham, our first and our featured guest. Mm-hmm. Could he run for mayor of Seattle oh, right now? Oh, absolutely. Could he win? Could he win? Absolutely. Mayor? How about governor? Could he win the governor? Probably. Anything. He can have he anything. He can have he wants. any office, elected office he wanted right now. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, head coach, the Pied Piper of the University of Washington, Mike Hopkins. Are you ready to run for office, coach? <laughs> I need to win my household first, and then I'll look for governor. Is that is that fair? I gotta I got I gotta win the votes in my household. Uh, if I if I get that, then I might take the next step. Uh, you know, I was trying to figure out with Jay Ham. Jay Ham and I were trying to figure out what has led to this incredible streak, this uh, this this unbeaten streak. We were looking at zones. We were looking at tinkering the zones. We were looking at offensive adjustments. We were looking at great coaching decisions, and we couldn't come up with anything. And finally, coach, I have figured it out. I have figured it out. You have not lost a game since you awarded Jay Ham the 500 game ball. <laughs> I love that. I love that karma. It's all karma. That's right. That's you. Hey, that's he, you uh, being a good human. Know, it's, it's, it's been an interesting run for us, but it's uh, you're trying to, to implement a, a culture and a system, and you're you're just fighting for it every day. You don't know if it's going to hit. Uh, you don't know how the guys respond, but the kids have really done a heck of a job. Uh, really believing and coming together and sacrificing. and You know, we talk about tougher together, and it's so easy to say, and it's so tough to do. Uh, but you see a lot of guys sacrificing a lot of their, their game for the betterment of the team. So uh, I think that's that's been a huge turnaround for us. The people that are listening to this on Episode 20 need some, uh, some news, some encouragement from you. What can you tell us as of the moment that we're recording about the injury to Dickerson? How uh, serious is it? And the likelihood that he'd be able to play in the Arizona games. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I watched it. Uh, I watched the replay, and uh, it's, it's just one of those, you know, you step on the foot and you turn it. It's an unfortunate incident. But, uh, you know, I spoke to Noah, um, obviously, after the game, the doctors, and it's obviously sore and tender. But, uh, you know, he's a tough kid. Um, he's gone through a lot this year, you know, injured at the beginning of the year, and it's was finally building back into shape, and so I think he'll be ready. He's getting that, you know, getting the treatment three times a day, and uh, uh, I'm sure he'll be ready to go. With Dickerson out, you got such great minutes against UCLA from Timmins, um, and I was watching on the TV, and I saw his father there, and I'm wondering when you look over and see his father, do you say to yourself, "Hey, coach, I better get Timmins some minutes here. Uh, I don't want to get on that guy's. I don't want to get on that guy's bad side. He's he's got to play some more minutes." He's. Uh, I had a great uh, time talking to him. Met him last year, and he's in strength and conditioning. And you know, I had a chance to talk to him. And boy, I didn't want to say the wrong thing because I could just envision myself getting put into a headlock and looking like the guy from Beetlejuice in the doctor's office. Yeah, with a small head. Like I thought he was just gonna pop it off. Uh, he, he is an impressive guy, but he's done a heck of a job. Uh, you know, parenting Sammy. He's a high character kid. So really, really proud of him. 
Uh, Coach Hopkins, our guest on uh, episode number 20. Coach, when you first were hired and you came on our radio show, my radio show at the time, you and I spoke a lot about your Syracuse experience in the zone and what you're going to do or what you're going to not do. And I, and I remember you saying, you know, we're going to play a mixture. And I've heard your old boss say that at the beginning of some seasons, too. We'll play a little mixture. We'll see what we do with the man-to-man. We'll see what we do. And then you know how it all turns out. Uh, it ends up being 100% zone. Um, what happened to your mixture? The mixture came back to just belief. We actually, for the first month of the season, we had practiced uh, similar to what West Virginia's uh, press was. Uh-huh. And uh, we had, you know, put, put in, and, you know, you got to do what's best for your program, best for your team, the best opportunity for you to win. And uh, we kind of sat back uh, as a staff and kind of decided that, hey, let's do something different than everybody else, which was the zone, and let's be great at it. And uh, let's be unique. And it's it, it ended up becoming a thing. And I was really concerned because if you look at the three-point shooting numbers in the league the year before, I'm like, well, the zone work out here. And you just saw the guy start believing in it. And then you saw Matisse Seibel up there. And so when something works, sometimes you just got to get out of the way and let it keep working. And uh, you see it working now. We've gotten better at it. And uh, uh, it's, just, it's become a thing now. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and, and one of, in one of the recent games, I had a player on the other team, their star player, walk in the line. And I said, you know, good game. He says, Coach, that zone, man. I just – I'm having the hardest time. We have the hardest time figuring it out. And I'm like – Bing! <laughs> right, we did it. Right. That's it. When you start getting in the head of the opponent, uh, you've already got an advantage. So it's it's been a great thing and a positive thing. But I do believe that we have to evolve. We have to always move forward and try new things. And we'll have a new. We'll have a completely new team next year. Coach, the other thing about the the zone that people that are fans of the Syracuse program point out is the ACC teams in the old days, the Big East teams, they would see it year after year after year, and they'd make adjustments, and they'd become a little bit more comfortable with it. But then you take that thing out to the postseason. You take that thing out to the March Madness where teams have not seen it or they only have a day between Thursday and Saturday or Friday and Sunday to prepare, and that's a whole different animal, right? It's a knuckleball. It's a it's a it's a knuckle curve, <laughs> and uh, it's a, it's a hard thing to hit. And uh, and the, you know the thing I love about it is when the kids believe in it, they they feel like you have something different. And it goes back to last year. Uh, you know you, you play. You know you can't line up traditionally with Arizona for player for player and play traditional against them. That's bad strategy. You know it's just bad strategy, and you have to do different things and. Um, I, I do agree with that comment about, you know, it gives you an advantage going into a postseason tournament. But you can also, when I, you know, the year we won the national championship in 2003, we came from behind in 14 games in the second half, and a lot of it we pressed and played man. And so there is a mixture uh, of, of, of uh, you know, both man and man that can be really, really hard-hitting and tough to figure out and also take – teams out of their rhythm when they start feeling comfortable with the zone I was at the Oklahoma State game in the second round of the the tournament that year no one no Syracuse fan will ever forget that how far behind you guys were with with McNamara in the down locker tw- lock, down, yeah down 22 points and yeah. then Jerry got cut in the eye at the end of half and I think Carmelo and Jerry were scoreless at halftime and uh in the second half we pressed yeah and uh and, and we came from behind we had a tough game against Manhattan yeah you know and so, you know, it just it goes back to what's working. 
uh, and then that belief and that competitive nature because, you know, defense, being really good in defense is a mindset. It really is. Uh, Jay Hamm was one of the great defenders. Uh, obviously has a steel, single, single uh, game, steel record. And, you know, it's a mindset. It's a commitment. It's a sacrifice. And when you have five guys doing that, it's a, it's a beautiful uh, Coach Hopkins, a couple more for you. Jay Hamm and I on previous episodes talked about Matisse Thibel, you mentioned him at the top of that zone. You and I crossed, I think, one year at Syracuse. I'm, I think I'm four years older than you, and I've been thinking about this, watching Matisse play the top of that zone. And I think, and it pains me to say it as a, as a Q's fan and an alum, I think he's the best I've ever seen at the top of the zone for a lot of reasons. And I, I think back to the Syracuse teams and the guy that comes to mind, a couple guys come to mind, actually. Benajay was great at the top of the zone, but... The one yeah. year, the one year that Michael Carter Williams played, he, yeah. he he had 111 steals at the top of that zone. And when you look at the two yeah. guys, they're both about six five, six six. They both have this gigantic wingspan. They're very very yeah. similar in build. Talk about Thibel, and is he is he the best you've ever seen at the top of the zone? He's he's the best I've ever seen because he not only steals the ball but he blocks. And I've never seen a guy block three-pointers the way he blocks. Yeah. And he's so disruptive. I mean, he's, he's uh, you know, have you seen the movie John Wick? And they go, it's the boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's calculated. He's stealth. He's, and he's the boogeyman. I mean, he's behind you. He's on the side of you. Uh, you have a shot. You're, he's in your brain. He's, he's in your peripheral. And that's what makes him just an incredible player. And, you know, Michael Carter uh, Williams had had great anticipation, just like Matisse. Uh, they were both. You know, Michael was a defensive first guy, and, and it's, you know, Matisse uh, was like that too. But that, that great anticipation of seeing where the teams are trying to attack, taking that away, and then baiting you into it, and then stealing the ball. I've never seen anything like like Matisse. Coach, do you look at the projections and the the chatter and all that good stuff that we all as fans look at, or do you ignore it? Is it a distraction for you? You know what? I you know I'd be lying to say that I don't, uh, but I try to stay away from it. Last year I got obsessed with it, and the only thing that you can control is going out and get you know coaching your team, coaching the next play, and uh, trying to get become better. And and then on the flip side, trying to get your guys because you know they're listening to it and reading it, just to get focused on what really matters. You know, we talk about you know eating the cheese, and we put mouse traps all over in the in the locker room. Like you can't eat the cheese. We haven't done anything yet, you know, uh, and we got a lot. We, we, we still can play a lot better. I don't feel like we're playing really good basketball right now. We're winning. We're playing great defense, but we're not playing to the level that we can. I want to end with the national narrative of the Pac-12. And in, in so doing, my, my opinion about you guys is the worst thing, at least publicly, that ever happened to you guys this year was words leaking out and information leaking out about that Nevada preseason game. I, I think that that did you guys a dis disservice and it put people on alert and then you went out and you lost a couple of out-of-conference games and everybody was like, wait a second, they went to Nevada in a, in, in a preseason game and, and busted up one of the better teams in the country. Um, how about your non-conference and how about what people nationally are saying about the Pac-12 as a result of some tough non-conference results. Well, you talk about me running for governor. At the end of the day, uh, <laughs> you know, you're never going to make. You know, there, there's always going to be, 
critics, you know, or I think our league in, in general went out and tried to play tough schedule. I mean, Utah played Nevada at home. They went to Kentucky. They played at Minnesota. They played BYU at BYU. I mean, there was a lot of games uh, and teams that went out there and did that. Uh, the thing that, that I always uh, talk about is we did beat Nevada. We played them in front of 4,500 fans, and it was a great game, and we played great without Dickerson. If you take the, the 11th team in the country and you take the 11 through 25, and you said you're going to play three games in your schedule, you're going to fly cross-country and play Auburn at Auburn, which was 17-1 and last year and, and uh, won the SEC, and then you're going to go at Gonzaga, and play the number one team in the country, and then you're going to fly 3,000 miles again and go play across country against number 10 in the country, what do you think their records would be? There's a difference from a quadrant one at Gonzaga, number one in the country, rather than rated number 72, quadrant one. And so I think also, I think if you saw us play, we didn't win. You got to win games. Uh, but if you see this team and you watch the Gonzaga game, you'd say that's an NCAA tournament type team. The Nevada game shows you that we can beat a top team. We just didn't, and sometimes that happens. Last year, I'll leave you with this. Uh, you know, the narrative for me is this: is Arizona State was 12 and 0 or 13 and 0 going into league. They had beaten two number one seeds, Xavier, and at Kansas. Yeah. Uh, they had beaten really good teams. They came in ninth in our league, but the narrative was our league is awful. Right. Well, rather than the narrative being right. God, the league must be pretty good. A right. team that went 13-0. So how do you change that? Well, they did. They're also they're a really, really good basketball team. But they beat a couple really good teams this year. They beat the number one team in Kansas. But, you know, our league's not good. Well, our league's got to be pretty darn good. You know, Dana Altman's going to be a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, Larry Kristoyak's doing great. Oregon State's got a really good team this year. Uh, USC's got talent. UCLA's got as much talent. Uh, there's been some injuries. We've got a lot of youth, but uh, I think there's some great recruiting classes coming in in our league, and you know we got something to prove. I mean, bottom line. Uh, but I do think our league is good. I don't think it gets a fair shot. Um, but you know, with that, we got to go out. We got to prove it. We got to finish, and we got to beat some teams. And that's all we can can control. You got my vote. That was pretty good, man. You you're uh, you're ready for that that race for the mayor. You're you're ready. I I, I, I like it. I vote for Hop. Uh, thank you. It's really great to hear your voice. It's great to see yeah. you doing such great things. As a guy who always cheered for you as a player when I was a young guy, and then as an assistant coach, and all the years yeah. that I that I traveled back and forth to see that that shade of orange, that Harvard of Central New York. I I can't I can't tell you how pleased I am for you and your family that this chapter is working out so beautifully well. So congratulations for all of that. And go get them in Arizona. Go get to Arizona and Arizona State this week. I really appreciate it, guys. Go dogs. There he is, Mike Hopkins, the head coach of the University of Washington, 9-0. and That's right, 9-0 and in the Pac-12 on a roll, heading to Arizona. Tucson first, Tempe second. And it's nice to know that Noah Dickerson looks like he should be able to go on Thursday night in Tucson. I am so pumped about our new sponsor joining the unfiltered team, Evergreen Govcall, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. I met David Hay the other day. This homegrown Bellevue firm manages over $2 billion in assets. Tyler's one of the sons. He was named one of the 40 under 40 by the Puget Sound Business Journal. He reached out to me via a friend and shook my hand and said, 
We want our firm to be involved with your podcast. We want our firm to be involved with Mitch Unfiltered, and here they are now having spread throughout the West Coast, offices in Portland, offices in San Francisco and Napa Valley. We're talking about the fastest-growing wealth manager in the Pacific Northwest, and here's one of the best parts. When I go every Monday and Thursday night to the local Boys and Girls Club to watch all the kids play hoops, the name that you see on the back of every jersey, Evergreen Golf Call, just a tiny part of this firm's commitment to give back to the community. Evergreen, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Zeke's Pizza Hotline, now that the Super Bowl's out of the way and the Patriots have been crowned yet again, the next big event, the NCAA Tournament March Madness, and nobody does it better than Brackettville. Let's go to Brackettville on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Dave Amon, it's my favorite call of the week, Dave. Uh, you get a chance to take a look at the seating list, and we'll start right with the University of Washington, which is where we start. They are now 9-0, are the Huskies, in Pac-12 play. I think 18-4 and four overall. I saw where you had them somewhere around 28 in your most recent seed list on Brackettville and NC State, who was a few notches ahead of them with a really, really ugly-looking loss when they only scored 24 points. Is, uh, is the game over, the win over UCLA enough for Washington to move up a, a tick or two on your seeding list? Yeah, uh, it actually did work out that way, so uh, Husky fans will be happy to know that at least as of our most current release, they have made it up to number 27 on the seed list, which would put them on the seven line. Okay, and so that means they're they're getting themselves further and further away from that dreaded 8-9 game, and everybody knows that you don't want to be in the 8-9 game because that, that means should you win – you're looking at a second-round matchup with the number one seed. Yes, absolutely. You know, preferably, I've even heard teams say over the years after the fact, well, we'd rather be a 10 than an 8 or a 9. Um, I don't know whether that's actually true or not, but in an ideal situation for you know, a team like Washington, who, because of the Pac-12, um, as we have talked about before, there's going to be a ceiling on how high they'll be able to get just based upon the lack of, quality wins that a team might normally expect out of a power conference. Uh. That said, Washington has steadily climbed, and nothing happens in a vacuum in basketball. No team plays on an island. So how this all works out over the next month is going to be entertaining, for one, because we all love college basketball, and very interesting as well, because what that ceiling for Washington is is going to be very hard to say right now because there's so many moving parts but the good news for them and they have a you know one more big weekend coming up or the big week coming up they go through the Arizona schools this week so if you come out of that unblemished then it gets realistic for Washington to start talking about exactly how high they can go because at that point they're going to be heavy favorites um, and the rest of their games, at least it would appear that way on paper, down the stretch in the Pac-12. You just beat me to the punch on so many different levels, Dave. Dave Amon, uh, Bracket Guy Dave on the Twitter. Make sure you followed Bracket Guy Dave, and by all means, Bracketville available 
online at bracketville.wordpress.com. He does the curve. He does the seeds. He does the uh, the brackets now a couple of times a week. He just told us that Washington, the dogs, are up to the 27 seed line, which makes them solidly a number seven seed. Um, I guess maybe I should wait for a week to ask you this. Let's see how they do against Arizona and Arizona State. But you said the ceiling, the ceiling, the ceiling, and it's so hard to determine what that ceiling is. And as you point out, if they somehow go to Tucson and win – and they somehow go to Tempe and win. And now they're 11 and 0 and we start hearing whispers of I don't know 17 and 1, 18 and 0. What is that committee going to do when they say okay, down year for Pac-12 teams, but oh my goodness. Here's a team that maybe won their conference by four or five games and finished 17 and 1, let's say in the conference and and now when we look at their losses out of conference, we see Minnesota and Virginia Tech, and a one-point loss to Gonzaga. The losses are really, really good losses, a loss to Auburn on the road. Uh, What will the committee do with a team like that, do you think, Dave? Well, that's one of those questions um, that gets very difficult to pinpoint because every committee is slightly different. And so although we have some historical perspective, and then every year is different. And what I mean by that is, For example, the higher you climb on the seed list, the harder it gets to continue climbing because the teams you're competing against, their resumes are are significantly stronger. So it's much easier to, say, jump from the 36 line to the 28 line, and that can happen actually in a week depending on what else happens around you because so many of those teams – in the middle to the lower end of the bracket, if that's where you are, have very suspect resumes to begin with. And so how they maneuver around each other can be much more volatile. The higher you get, the harder it is to climb because you're competing against teams that also have very good resumes. So if I were going to take a guess to answer your question, if we're looking at a Huskies team that pulls off a perfect Pac-12 season or even a one-loss Pac-12 season, I think it's within the realistic possibility that depending upon what else happens around them, that they could find themselves, you know, maybe as high as the five line which would put them in a position, obviously, to have a much more say potentially over being in Salt Lake or San Jose for their opening game. Everyone would love uh, here in the Pacific Northwest is a a game or two in the NCAA tournament that's not so far from home. So that's what they're playing for if they should be able to put a gaudy record like that on the board. Okay, Dave Amon, Brackettville. Uh, uh, Bracket Guy Dave and, of course, bracketville.wordpress.com. Top of the bracket, uh, I'm looking at this. I'm seeing Duke and Tennessee and Virginia and Gonzaga. You said last week that Gonzaga is probably a 65% chance to be the number one seed in the West. No reason to discount that this week, seven days later. Uh, Michigan State took a tumble and North Carolina seems to be on the rise. Kind of assess where we are with the ones and the twos. Dave, in your estimation? Well, you pretty much hit it, you know, on the head there. You know, I think Duke 
still I, I would have them in the number one uh, position at this point, followed by Tennessee, then Virginia. Those haven't really changed since the last time that we talked. With Michigan State's kind of shocking home loss to, to an Indiana team that had lost several games in a row, um, that kind of helps create that scenario for Gonzaga, at least for the moment, where they will be number one in the West when the next bracket comes out. The reason we kind of went with that 60-65% chance is I think there's a good situation in which Gonzaga holds on to that, not only because Gonzaga is a very good basketball team and the NCAA's new net rating system ranks the Bulldogs very highly, but also because there's still going to be some attrition that goes on around them. Duke and Virginia are going to play again. Kentucky and Tennessee are going to play twice. You've got Michigan and Michigan State still to play twice. And then you mentioned North Carolina. They're the team that's, that's, I think, won five in a row now in the ACC. They're tied atop the conference. And if you look at the remaining schedules in the ACC, they probably have as favorable a schedule or more so than, say, Duke or Virginia down the stretch. So when you have to tie all that in, that's kind of eight teams for the top four, and it's kind of those eight. And then right behind them you have a team like Kansas whose resume is still a lot better than people think that it is. If Kansas can figure out how to kind of win a couple of more games on the road in the Big 12, they could still be in that mix for the two line. Um, and then also, I think there's a team like Marquette and Purdue's really come on, um, and they have a very favorable schedule, too, down the stretch. So if they were to finish very strongly and win the Big Ten, I think there's a definite possibility that Purdue even could end up on that two-line before all said and done. And the other thing that's always interesting once you get to Selection Sunday is the perceived worst number one typically ends up against the best number two. So in essence, you've got the fourth best team in the country and the fifth best team in the country in the same bracket. Isn't that correct? As a general rule, that's if you were going to follow the curve per se, um, that's how that would work. And that certainly has happened before. Now the committee in recent years, you know, has relaxed a few of the bracketing principles um, to try to keep more teams on their true seed. And what they actually try to do to balance the regions. So let's say for example, you know, obviously, if Gonzaga ends up being a two, it makes the most sense, if it fits, to keep them out west as opposed to sending a team from the east all the way to the west and sending Gonzaga all the way to the east somewhere. Now, sometimes there are principles that come into play because, like, for example, teams from the same conference, if they're all in the top four seed lines, the first four teams from the conference, if they're in the top four seed lines, all have to be in a different region. So sometimes that has a little bit of a play as to where someone else may end up. But to your point, so then what they would do is they try to match those up, and then they take the top four seeds and they add the totals together. And as long as they're within a certain range, then they feel comfortable that the brackets are balanced. Okay, and from that end... At this point in Bracketville, Dave Amon's creation, which is, by the way, the most accurate in all of Bracketology, according to Bracket Matrix and the statistics bear it out over the last five years, nobody's done this better than our guest on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline, Dave Amon. Uh, To that end, 
you've got Gonzaga right now as a number one seed and the fourth number one seed, and you've got Michigan as the odd man out at this moment, the top number two seed. So potentially you could have Gonzaga as the one in the West and maybe Michigan as the two in the West region on a collision course in the Elite Eight if it were to play out that way. Before you run on us, you know what I like to do. I like to hear your free fallers, your high risers, and uh, if you have a game of the week, I would think it's it's Virginia and Duke this week coming up, uh, maybe for the right to be the number one, number one. Let's start with uh, high risers. Give me a team or two that's really done well for themselves the last seven days. Well, I think a couple that, that come to mind, one that kind of started off really well and then kind of went through some offensive issues but has regained some footing would be Wisconsin, has reclimbed itself up that ladder and put itself back in the upper echelon of the Big Ten race. I think another team that has kind of allowed itself to kind of quietly climb back up, and maybe not quietly anymore, is Baylor in the uh, Big 12. You know, they had a real tough start to the season back in November and early December, lost a couple of really – uh, bad losses, if you will. But since that time, they're actually co-leading the Big 12 at this point and are playing some really good basketball. So we'll see whether it's a bit of a fad now or whether they can keep that up. But that's a team that has gone from sort of out of the at-large picture three weeks ago to now right on that cusp of being the Big 12 leader on the 7-8 line. Okay, and how about some free fallers? Those teams, a team or two that have not uh, fared particularly well and find themselves plummeting down the seeding list. Well, I think uh, one in particular that was uh, hot early would be Oklahoma, much like last year. Uh, the biggest difference is this year Sooners don't have the same high-end wins that last year's group did, so they're going to have to get things figured out. Um, and then Nebraska, and you know, to be quite honest with you, they have really struggled recently. Um, and have now fallen well off the pace in the Big Ten race. And with an injury to Isaac Copeland and he being out for the rest of the year, there's definitely a lot of questions around Nebraska right now. And they would be just on the outside at this point. Certainly with the Big Ten, there's a lot of opportunities to um, you know, reclaim your footing. We saw that with Indiana going to Michigan State and pulling off a shocker. So you know, they're, they're certainly not done but they would be one of the ones that I would say, compared to where they were a week ago or even two weeks ago, have really taken a hit the past couple of weeks. And Duke-Virginia is the game of the week in college basketball this week? It would be hard to bet against that one, knowing that it was a great game the first time. Um, and both teams, at least right now, appear be more at full strength. So it'll be fun to see uh, how those two get together in Charlottesville. Fabulous stuff, Dave. As always, you're the best. Brackettville. Uh, online, bracketville.wordpress.com. He updates the seating list and, of course, the bracketology, the brackets themselves, a couple of times a week. And don't forget, if you're on Twitter, to follow him at BracketGuyDave. Dave Amon. Thanks so very much, Dave. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, Mitch. So the best in the business, Dave Amon, Bracketville says, Washington, a seven seed as of today, heading into the games in the desert, seven versus ten in the first round of the NCAA tournament and still an opportunity to creep up even further, maybe a six, 
maybe a five, post 15 and three or post 16 and two, and then do something in the Pac-12 tournament. If you're doing some car shopping this February, take a little trip into Jaguar, Land Rover, or Bellevue. Tons of opportunities in virtually all the different price ranges, starting with a fabulous selection of certified pre-owned vehicles to a new electric Jaguar, which is now in stock, and the family Land Rover Discovery model, the third row seating, the best value family SUV out there. And if you're really adventurous, the upcoming return of the iconic Land Rover Defender is the talk of the car world everywhere you turn. And the order list is already filling up at Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. But I've been assured that if you tell the guys that you're a listener of this, Mitch Unfiltered, you go to the top of the reservation list. So we've got that going for us, which is nice. Can't beat Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. The best sales team, a dealership environment where you'll notice a difference, a service department, which is the best. Check them out. Just off of 520 on the Northeast 20th Street in Bellevue, Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Unfiltered. He's a terrific NBA writer for ESPN. He's also a Seattle guy, so it's a double whammy. Here he is, Kevin Pelton of ESPN, the uh, the host of the fabulous, the fabulous Pelton cast. And uh, he's joining us just before the NBA trading deadline on Mitch Unfiltered. What's going to happen, Kevin? Look into your, your crystal ball. This is the reason why you work for ESPN. You should be able to tell us exactly what's going to happen between now and the deadline. Well, I'm better at predicting probably the results of games than uh, what <laughs> trades are going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that we're probably going to see an Anthony Davis trade before the deadline. I think that's probably not going to play out until this summer, but uh, could still see some important moves, uh, particularly the Memphis Grizzlies players that they've put on the block, Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol, I think are the, you know, failing something unexpected with AD, the, the biggest names likely to be moved. Kevin, um, if Anthony Davis is not moved, we had – we had the beat reporter of the Times-Picayune on the last episode, and he said it's just gotten so awkward there that he doesn't think that he'll ever be able to play another game for New Orleans, that if they don't move him, they'll use the injury excuse or they'll do something like Carmelo Anthony and just not play him anymore. Are you in agreement with that, or do you think he suits up for the Pelicans before the season's over? I am in agreement with that because uh, not only you know the awkwardness and the fact that uh, he got removed from the uh, the video they played before starting lineups last week before the uh, the last home game they played. The other factor here is, look, if the Pelicans aren't going to make the playoffs, they want to lose as many games right. as possible the rest of the season. Uh, you know, they, there's changes to the NBA lottery this year, and what they mean is it's not as advantageous necessarily to have the worst record in the league. But it's better as a result. You've got a higher chance of moving up into what's now the top four if you're in one of those kind of middle spots, the sixth through through ninth worst records. Right. And New Orleans has an opportunity if, if Davis doesn't play the rest of the year to, to get down there and have a real chance of moving up into the top four. All right, so before we get off the Anthony Davis situation, let me give you a hypothetical, Kevin. Let's assume we get let's assume you're right. They don't trade him before the deadline. He doesn't play anymore. We get to the offseason. And let's say there's two finalists for a trade. You got Boston and Danny Ainge, and let's say his agent says, we're not going to sign an extension with you guys in Boston because we want to go to Los Angeles to play with LeBron James. At that point, would they get a better deal from Los Angeles 
or would they get a better deal from Boston because Danny Ainge is willing to roll the dice and see if he can get him for a year and then convince him to stay there even though he says he won't? Yeah, my hunch is that Ainge is enough of a risk taker that he's still willing to do that. Now, you know, I think the the one thing that component that could change is are you willing to give up Jason Tatum in that offer if you don't have any assurance that you're going to re-sign Anthony Davis? Maybe not, and and that makes the Lakers' offer more competitive. But I still think the the, the Celtics can you know potentially beat it because you know in addition to Tatum, they have other young players, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart veteran players potentially if that's what New Orleans is looking for Gordon Hayward Al Horford potentially and then this treasure trove of draft picks that they can dip into that the Lakers you know can only send out their own picks that presumably if they have AD and LeBron aren't particularly valuable but uh, that's going to be the question to, to, to watch the situation to watch if this does play out past the deadline is you know how far is Boston willing to go with the uncertainty not only about Davis but also now about whether Kyrie Irving is going to resign this summer. Kevin Pelton, ESPN NBA writer, terrific writer, and he's also here in Seattle. So if he gets moved, and he will get moved one way or the other, how historic is this trade? Is he the most marketable and most most valuable piece considering his age that's ever been traded in the NBA? Or you have to go back to, I don't know, Luol Cinder? Um, and you and I kind of had fun on Twitter about this. Is he the guy, if, if, the, if Seattle was offered an expansion team tomorrow, and the commissioner said, you know what, for us screwing you around all these years, we're going to let you have any player, any one player in the league. You have anybody. You want James Harden, you want LeBron James, you want Anthony Davis, you want Zion Williamson. Who, you, you can have any player you want. Who would that player be? And then speak to the significance of this trade. You know, for the record, if Adam Silver is listening, we don't even need that. Uh, we'll just take a team <laughs> of any caliber at, at this point. Um I, I think Giannis would be my guy to start a team at this point over Anthony Davis, okay, but okay. I think those are the two players you're talking about right now. Maybe Luka Doncic, given how incredible he's been as a rookie so far in Dallas, but you know those are the two that have the combination of the track record and then also being you know uh, before or just entering their prime years right now, and that is what I think requires us to go all the way back in terms of an actual trade. Uh, to that Elsinder Kareem Abdul-Jabbar trade when he went from the Bucks to the LA Lakers wow. uh, in the 1970s, uh, you know Davis is he, he's just coming into his prime at age 26. He's probably one of the five best players in the league, uh, certainly an All NBA caliber player, and you know he, he's a little bit younger and and probably a little bit closer to his best performance than you know Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, players like that who got traded, and then you know the other names that really. Uh, were seismic shifts for the league when they changed teams recently, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, those happened via free agency. Right, that's correct. Uh, the Porzingis deal, is that worth discussing? Is it a big deal? Is it, a, is it good for the Mavericks? Is it good for the Knicks? Does it put the Knicks in a better – I know it puts the Knicks in a better financial position to woo free agents, but do they become less desirable to free agents because Porzingis, uh, I, I suppose it's star, I guess – is not there any longer. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, the, the, the trade-off for that is, you know, before with Porzingis' salary on the books, they were trying to find a way to sign one max free agent. Now you've got the opportunity to call up two players and say, hey, you guys want to team up in New York in this major media market? you got the opportunity to come do it and play for us. And, you know, obviously the first two names you go to there are, are Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant both of whom have been linked to the Knicks and, you know, the idea of potentially playing to 
together. Uh, it wouldn't necessarily have to be those two guys. You know, uh, Kemba Walker uh, is in the mix. He's a, a New York native. Uh, I, I guess Clay Thompson, if things really went south with the uh, the Warriors, would be a, a possibility. But you know, in terms of the the contract they're offering him, you know, there's a few other Kawhi Leonard. If if he's not as focused on getting to LA as we all think he is. But Kyrie and KD are the two names everyone's really kind of most focused on, and now they've got that chance to team up and play together. So, yeah, I, I think this is a, a move that potentially could have huge ramifications for the league, and, and I think I liked it more than most people for the Knicks because not only do they get that cap flexibility this summer, they also got back a promising young point guard in Dennis Smith, who you know they probably should have taken ahead of Frank, Frank Nielakina in the lottery in 2017. And then they get a couple of first-round picks. And, and one of the interesting notes I found about this trade is you have to go all the way back to the trade deadline in 2015 to find the last time that a team gave up two draft picks in a trade without getting any in return. Ah, how about that? There's some uh, there's some heavy duty lifting from Kevin Pelton. That's why it's called the Fabulous Pelton Cast, not just the <laughs> Pelton Cast. It's the Fabulous Pelton Cast because of that kind of statistical research and data. Let me throw some quick hitters at you. Will the I know this is early to be asking this, but I know a lot of people in the NBA are interested in it. Uh, will the Greek freak play his next contract in Milwaukee? I think probably so. I mean, yeah, that's you know after this AD situation gets resolved all eyes are going to start to turn to Giannis and, and his future in Milwaukee because he'll kind of be that next mega star up in terms of potentially changing teams. But the difference between, you know, the situation with Giannis and the situation with AD is, you know, they never managed in New Orleans to put a winning team around him. Last year's 48 wins, the one playoff series is the best they did. This year's Milwaukee team, uh, best record in the Eastern Conference, uh, best point differential in the NBA so far. And, you know, we'll have to see how that translates in a playoff setting. But uh, I, I think they're the favorites to win the Eastern Conference. And they're a team that legitimately, you know, if in a world where the Warriors aren't as, uh, as much locks as they are right now, if Durant leaves next year, for example, uh, can legitimately win a championship. But but he won't have an agent or somebody around him saying to him, hey, bud, you need to be in Los Angeles. You need to be in New York. You need to be in Chicago. You need to be in a major market so we can can uh, we can maximize the dollars away from the away from the basketball? I'm sure that will happen, but uh, you know I think when whenever players have changed teams, it's definitely an element of trying to get to somewhere where they can win more. Now maybe that's you know going to big markets because of the fact that they also can recruit other players there more easily than you can recruit a star free agent to come to Milwaukee. Which right, right. No, no, we're not talking about any of these guys going to to play with Giannis this summer, even though the Bucks could have cap space. But, uh, you know, I think that they've found a, a really nice formula around Giannis. And as long as, you know, he reasonably believes that there's a path to a championship that, you know, he'll probably stick around. Kevin, I asked my 16-year-old son, who's a huge NBA fan, and he's going to take your job as an NBA writer for ESPN someday. Uh, going to dinner tonight, I said to him, what should I ask Kevin Pelton? And he said, ask him about Denver. Did you know, Dad, that Denver is number one in the Western Conference? I said, no, they're not. And I so I don't even know if I'm if he's right, <laughs> if he's lying to me, if he's telling me the truth. Uh, so I'm asking you for Max. What about Denver? For reals or a fake, a fraud? So, so they're tied with Golden State, uh, okay. but, but right. <laughs> won the tiebreaker. Uh, and that means that uh, they, they found out after their win tonight that their coach, Michael Malone, will uh, coach the All-Star game, uh, which, which Steve Kerr and the Warriors coaching staff was celebrating getting a weekend off instead of having to do <laughs> right, it. Right, um, right. 
I, I think they are for real. I mean, this is a team that, you know, Milwaukee is kind of the, the uh, it's different from Milwaukee where everything has gone right for the Bucks so far. All their core players have managed to stay healthy. It kind of makes sense that they've had this, you know, perfect season so far. Denver, that hasn't been the case. Their starting lineup has been together for one game and one half over the course of the year because they've just always had one player or another out of the lineup over that entire span. And yet they've, they've still managed to succeed at a high level because of the fact that they've uh, drafted incredibly well. They've got a deep roster around a legitimate star in Nikola Jokic, who continues piling up triple doubles is, you know, as good a passing big man as we've ever seen in the NBA. And then I'm including Walton and Sabonis and all the greats in that. Uh, um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I still have some questions about how their defense is going to work in the playoffs. Jokic is a little bit of a liability at that end of the court, but they've had a top 10 defense so far this year. And, you know, I think this is a, right now, if we if the playoffs started today, the second best team in the West wow, after the Warriors. Wow. And finally, my clips. How about my clips? Are they going to do anything this offseason? There is a lot of confidence from the Clippers organization that they're going to sign Kawhi Leonard and, and a ah. lot of belief in the league that they're the favorites to do it, not, ah. not him resigning in Toronto and certainly Certainly not the Lakers. All right. But don't they have to bring somebody else in with Kawhi? Doesn't Kawhi just half of the puzzle? They need two guys. They need two big, big money guys. Yeah, we'll see if, you know, they can figure out someone else. I mean, maybe they're in the mix for Kyrie, uh, depending on how he feels about playing for the Knicks. Uh, but, I, you know, I think if you take Kawhi and, and fit him into this year's team and bring back some of the pieces, Tobias Harris is having a great year for them, you know, was uh, in consideration for that last all-star spot in the Western Conference, and he's a free agent this summer. So, you know, he, he you'd have to sacrifice him if you'd sign another star uh, along with Kawhi, and you'd happily do that in that case. But uh, if you can have him and Kawhi Leonard uh, both locked up long term. I think that's that's the core of a pretty good team with the the other pieces they have. There. All right, all the questions I've asked up to now, Kevin Pelton of the fabulous Pelton cast, and of course ESPN NBA writer. They were all warm ups to the last one. This was really it was all just a lead up to this last question, which is your dogs, your University of Washington dogs. I read on Twitter where you were on Saturday. Tell everybody where you were on Saturday. Well, I was at the game against UCLA, hanging out with uh, Jason Hamilton, of course. <laughs> and so they've gotten to nine. They've got two in Arizona, and then they get it gets very easy, very reasonable. Are we talking? I mean, you're the man. Tell me, are we talking fifteen and three? Are we talking sixteen and two? They're nine and zero oh right now. But you you know, stick your neck out. Where where are they going to end in the Pac-12? Uh, I, what I saw is, I'm sure you did, that the uh, Ken Palm projections now have them all the way up to 16-2 and two in Pac-12 play. That, that still feels a little aggressive to me. <laughs> I, I'm probably going to say 15-3. and three. Uh, The fact that we're talking about this at all is, is incredible given where we were uh, you know, a couple months ago. You got to love Hop, don't you, Kevin? He he's done a terrific job. I mean, this you know I was never a zone guy. I was always like <laughs> believed that the best man to man beat the best zone, as I'm sure you've heard a thousand times in in your life. And yep. uh, I, I've been won over. I mean, I I don't know if he's always going to have anybody as perfect for the zone defense as Matisse Thibel at the top there, but uh, the, this is a very very effective zone defense. Kevin, you're very kind to join us on Mitch Unfiltered. If only people knew. Uh, this is Groundhog Day all over again, but we'll keep that between you and me. Will you do it again sometime? Don't be a stranger. I would be happy to do so. Okay. Kevin Pelton, ESPN NBA writer and the host of the fabulous Pelton cast. Follow him on Twitter at K Pelton, P E L. 
T-O-N. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for being here and uh, appreciate your time. We'll catch up as we move forward. Sounds good. It was a pleasure. Kevin Pelton, ESPN NBA writer on everything happening in the world of the NBA. Here's what I know. If I'm sitting down to watch a football game, a college basketball game with my beloved Orange, and I'm craving some pizza, it's a delivery from Zeke's Pizza for me. Zeke's is the Northwest homegrown pizza company founded in Queen Anne in 1993, and most Zeke's locations now deliver beer, wine, and even cider. No one does Northwest craft beer quite like Zeke's, and that includes delivery. Download and use their mobile app, order online, Zeke'sPizza.com, or call 206-285-8646. When we were doing the Super Bowl the other night at the Capitol Hill location, I'm telling you, pies were going out, craft beer going out, going out, going out, lots and lots of deliveries, and we're not talking about a third party. This is Zeke's bringing the order right to your door. Any combination of food and beer, just as long as it's a minimum of $15, you can mix and match. All the drivers have shoulder coolers, so the beer shows up nice and cold. Remember, the one who orders has to be 21 years old and who receives it at the door. 206-285-8646, Zeke'sPizza.com, or download and use the mobile app. If you're looking for a pie and some craft beer to watch a sporting event at home, it's Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. So, Mike Hopkins, mm-hmm. Kevin Pelton, and Dave Amon, Brackettville, number seven. You like that? Seven seed for your Washington Huskies after they start 9-0 and in the Pac-12 as they get ready to go to the Arizona schools. They sit at number seven. So you've avoided the 8-9 the, the game, yes. which we hate. Yes. We hate the 8-9 game. For now, you've avoided the 8-9 game. And what, and, and, and what Dave says in Brackettville is... They're going to have to start defining what the ceiling is for the Huskies because he knows it's a bad conference and he knows that the, the the perception of the teams they're beating is not very good. But if they can get through these Arizona schools somehow unscathed and they start looking at a 17-1, and one, I mean, a, a gaudy like five-game oh. or six-game winning season, like a six-game margin between first and second place, if they start putting some crazy number on the board, could they get to a five? Could they get to a four? Yeah. Now you start talking about being placed in a West Coast city in the For first sure. couple of rounds. Everything changes. All the things start start to change. So, And you heard from Hop calling Matisse Theibel the boogeyman. The boogeyman. If he's the, the boogeyman, boogeyman and he's chasing you and your steals record, what are you? If he's the boogeyman, I, I, you're I, something better than the boogeyman, I'm right? the guy that's barely in the credits. I'm the guy, <laughs> the guy that said, got <laughs> guy running down the street. That's who I am. That's who I am in that deal. No, but Hop, Hop was spot on. I mean, you know, you, know, you talked about how, how prolific of a defensive player that Batiste Stiebel is in all of the years that you've been watching Syracuse basketball and all the years that Hop has been involved in that. Yes. And for Matisse and for him, Mike Hopkins, to say, I think he's the best. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of good players have done that. And and I think uh, the anticipation and the boogeyman, it it makes sense for uh, for him to have that title, that moniker, and and um, he's uh, he's knocking down the doors. I think what was interesting to me, and it's something that I knew but I've really not thought about from Hopkins reacting to what Hopkins said, was when he talked about the 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 run that I'll never forget as long as I mm, live. Yeah. Um, the, my greatest 
sports memory was being with my dad in the New Orleans Superdome when Akeem Warwick went out and blocked the shot in the corner by the Kansas shooter at the buzzer of the national championship game. That run, which started in, in Boston, Massachusetts. then Worcester? Went to, went, no, Boston. Oh, in Boston. In Boston, and then went to uh, Albany, New York, and then went to New Orleans. That run, I'll never forget, but hearing... Hearing Hop, who was an assistant, obviously, on that staff, remind us of something that's important for Husky fans to remember. As you start to fall in love with... I don't know if anybody's fallen in love with the zone. Yeah. I guess people are starting to fall in love with the zone. I never quite fell in love with the zone watching Syracuse because when the zone goes bad, it looks, re- it looks really, really bad. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> what he reminds us is, look, no matter how well we play the zone, for us to be ultimately successful, we're going to face that game. He talked about that 22-point deficit that they faced against Oklahoma State in the second round that year. Yeah. That The game that I remember in the Boston Garden. I'll never forget it. Boston Garden, Jerry McNamara bleeding, and they're down 22 points, and he's got no points that – Carmelo's got no points to half. We're done. Yeah, We're finished. The zone is done. The The season is over, and Carmelo's going to the NBA, and it's over. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then – they get into man-to-man and a man-to-man, some sort of a full-court press. Mm -hmm. Maybe it wasn't man-to-man, but maybe it was a press, a a trapping press, whatever it was. They got out of what they do. Essentially, they're not a pressing team, and Washington is not a pressing team. And what Hop is saying is, just remember this, there's going to come a time where in a huge game, we're going to have to do something different Different. and be good enough at it to come back and, and win a game. Otherwise... The zone is not going to be perfect every single game, right. right? We're going to have to do something else, including pressure. So, Well, it reminded me of your rant when you talked about the Seahawks game plan in the playoffs. When you're saying, yeah, you can sit there and say, run, run, pass, yeah. run, yeah. run, pass. Yeah. At some point, you got to make an adjustment when the run, run, pass is not is not working for you. Mm-hmm. And maybe that game will come where – Yes, it's zone, it's zone, it's zone, it's zone. But listen, for five minutes in whatever game, we have to change this up. It could come. And if it comes, you have to be prepared for that. Just like it can was this team in Boston. Pr- can this team press you and come back from 10 down late in the game? I think they have the athletes to do it. It's whether or not they're organized enough to do it because – Again, how often are you practicing that? Is it really in your in your package? I I got the sense because coach talked also talked about this that you know, they thought early in the year they were going to do a more West Virginia style where they were going to be right. full court pressure then into the 2-3 zone. They right. stopped doing the full court. They practiced it but yeah. figured let's not do it. Yeah. So do they still have that in their bag of tricks and if they do, then I think they're 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 able to do it. Nice to hear that Noah Dickerson. Oh. Will uh, he believes it's gonna it's gonna be okay for him to play on Thursday mm-hmm. in Tucson and then on Saturday in Tempe, um, and so Washington goes for numbers ten and numbers eleven in the uh, in the desert yeah. with you uh, on the call, and then finally for episode number twenty, um, we don't have to talk too much about this, but you won the uh, you won the bet, you won the challenge. Why is you it the, the uh, 
You the last of the last that you don't well, want to talk no, about. Nobody really cares about it. They do. I mean, you made a big deal about it. You were like, oh, we're <laughs> going to have some fun with this. You know, you win either way. And then I win. And you're like, oh, well, we shouldn't talk but about it. But did you win? I did. It, it, it came down to the, the Greek freak. What was it? What, remind it, me it of, was, the, of, it the, was of the. Who was going to have more points? Right. Giannis against the Washington Wizards. Yes. Which, in fact, yesterday he had 37. 37. Or Rams points. They had three. <laughs> That's what you call a blowout. <laughs> that is a route, kid. That is a route. So uh, does that mean I owe you like five rounds of golf? I mean, or, it, it might. Uh, are you sure it was just straight? It was Greek, straight. Great Greek freak against Rams points. Yes. Do I have to go back to my notes? You, to make you can sure go back. I, I looked at it. I looked at is it. Is there when anything we the Hamiltons don't win? Is there anything the Hamiltons just? I mean, you guys just cleaned up between your son. In the Super Bowl pool of little squares, uh huh. That's and, that's random luck, though. You're the one that filled out the. I don't have any. I don't know how it happened. That's but random. All I know is he he cleaned the table. That's random. He luck. cleaned the table. Yeah. It didn't look. Let's put it this way. It didn't look good for Mitch unfiltered programming that one of us, <laughs> one of our kids, what, won what, all the money. What'd you do with the? What'd you do with the hundred? What do you mean? What I do with the hundred? I paid my son. So what'd you do with the? I, I there was there there was. Let's the just say that the Zeke's Pizza staff in Capitol Hill. Oh, were very much appreciative of of Jackson, of Jackson yeah. Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'll, I'll be glad to. Uh, I'll be sure to tell him that that was a nice nice tip that he left uh, there. Episode number twenty. Uh, we couldn't come to we couldn't come to an agreement or come to a conclusion on Barry Sanders or Gary Payton. So we went Barry Payton. We could have gone Gary Sanders, but that almost sounds like a wide receiver for the Washington Redskins. I liked Barry Payton better. Mm -hmm. So we went episode Barry Payton. Thanks to Daniels Broiler. Thanks to Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Thanks to Zeke's Pizza. And thanks, of course, to the premier wealth management firm in the Northwest, Evergreen Golf Call. And thanks to you, Jason D. Hamilton. And thanks to Jackson Hamilton for <laughs> tipping the staff over there at Zeke's. And thanks to Zeke's. By the way, for those people that got all the way to the end of episode yeah. 20, episode 21, we're going to have a major announcement of our next function. It's a much different Ooh. function than the Zeke's pizza oh. function. I want everybody to start thinking nice dinner, filling out brackets, NCAA tournament, the week of the first round games. I want everybody to start thinking about that and start your mouth watering over, let's say, a piece of USDA prime mm. filet, mm. okay? Yes. Think about that. Think about a nice little get-together that has wine and steak, and we're taking a limited number, reservations only, first come, first serve. I want everybody to think about, you know, like a medium rare plus filet mignon or ribeye that's my usda prime Ooh. with some potatoes, potatoes. And, and some and some appet i want everybody to think about that while you're filling out bracket and getting a little lesson on who to fill out in your ncaa just 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 keep that in the back of your mind we'll talk about that on episode 21 but that's it that's epi that's it for episode 20 Love all it. right that's it. My thanks to all of our guests. My thanks to all of our sponsors. And episode number 20 is now officially in the books.